such an amazing thing that we have been given the spirit of Almighty God to indwell each of us. If we have said yes to Jesus, if we have invited him into our lives, that we too have received the spirit of God, the power of Almighty God to live inside of each and every one of us. And for all of the kids here in the room this morning, this applies to you too. The Holy Spirit isn't just given to adults. If you said yes to Jesus and invited him into your life, he is in you too. And Kathy Ribble would tell you, it's not a baby or a little kid Holy Spirit. It's the exact same Holy Spirit that I have, that your parents have, that everybody in this room who said yes to Jesus has. And that is so important for us to understand because when we receive Jesus and we receive his spirit in us, we are sealed. We are marked as one of God's children. And that changes everything for us. It gives us a new identity. So we don't just belong to our family here on earth. We have a citizenship or we're belonging to the family of God as well. And that is a powerful thing that sets us apart and makes us different from everybody else. So then why would Paul say that we need to be filled with the Spirit when we've already been given the Spirit? It's a hard thing to understand, so I'm going to try and use a bit of a visual this morning, and I'm just going to explain what this all means, and then we'll read our passage together. For the purposes that we are going to be using this morning, these vases represent us. The balls represent stuff, stuff in the world could be sin, could be habits, could be things that we let take up space in our lives. And the water represents the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you can see, but when we have received Jesus and we're given the Holy Spirit, he comes and resides in us. There is a deposit made of him. He is our foundation. And because of Jesus' death on the cross, his blood covers over all of the stuff and makes us new again. It's covered over. But we have the opportunity to fill up our vase. And that's what this is about this morning. So let's take a look at Ephesians 5, 15 to 20 together. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know from the series that we have been in that Paul has been teaching the Ephesians about the fact that they have this new identity in Christ. And he's been helping them understand what that's supposed to mean in terms of how they live now, because they have this new calling on their lives. And in our passage this morning, Paul is saying, listen, you have this new identity, so you can't keep living the way you were living, because there's so much stuff in the world around you that can get in the way that you can fill yourself up with, that's going to distract you, that's going to take up space, that shouldn't be taking up space anymore because you're a new creation, because you have a new identity. 
And Paul is saying, so you're going to have to be wise. Can't just haphazardly go about life anymore. You have to make the most of every opportunity. When you are faced with every situation, you have to make a decision. Are you going to pick the foolish stuff, the stuff of the world, the old stuff that belongs to what Jesus died for you for? Are you going to put that in your vase? Or are you going to pick the Jesus way? And are you going to be filled up with more of him? He's saying the days are evil. There's all kinds of stuff around you that you could pick to fill your vase up with. You have to decide. You have to be wise. You have to understand what the Jesus way is. You have to understand what the Lord's will is. And if you do that, then that will be where you get your wisdom. And so don't be filled up with the stuff, wine, drink. Don't get drunk. Get filled with the Spirit because that's how you're going to live out the wise way of Jesus. So we have this new identity in Christ. We've been given the Spirit, and Paul is saying, guess what, there's more. You don't just have to do life now with what you have. You actually get to have more. If you make the most of every opportunity and pick the Jesus way that you're faced with as opposed to the old way, you're going to find yourself getting filled up with more of the Spirit. You're going to find yourself better understanding what the way of Jesus is. That's how we tap into it. Somebody give me some examples. What are some things that might represent the balls? Stuff that gets in the way. Pardon? Salvation gets in the way? Television, sorry. <laughs> yes, that could get in the way. <laughs> Hatred? The Raptors. The <laughs> Raptors. I might have a marital problem if I call that a ball and put it in the vase. <laughs> So stuff that we watch that takes up time. Okay, what else? Pardon? Addiction, yes, that could take up space. What else? Greed? Money? Sin? Time wasters? There's all kinds of stuff that could take up the space that could be taken up with the Spirit. That's what Paul means when he says, make the most of every opportunity. Be wise as you face the things that you're facing. But he's not telling us we have to be wise all by ourselves. He tells us how to be wise, which is to be filled with the Spirit. We can't be wise in the Jesus way of being wise on our own. We don't have it in us. We are not God. We need the Spirit to show us how to be wise, which is why he says we need to be filled with the Spirit so that we can figure out what's the Jesus way and what's not the Jesus way. And so it's through that power and it's through that strength and it's through that wisdom that we are to do this in our lives. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 11 and 12 actually tells us about this. It says that the only one who actually knows the mind of God is the thought is the spirit of God, which is why we weren't given the spirit of the world and we were given the spirit of God so we can understand what's been given to us. It can be hard to make the right decisions all the time. It's even harder if you're doing it on your own. If you're just trying to follow a set of rules, 
It becomes much easier to understand what the right way is and to pick the right way when you're relying on the spirit that's filling you up because you've chosen to take the space up with him instead of with the stuff of the world. In verse 18, the word filled actually doesn't mean filled like I've filled up your cup, there you go, have your drink. In the Greek, it's actually a present perfect tense, which means it's a continual filling. It's not something that happens once and stops. It's something that keeps happening. So if we were to actually literally translate what Paul is saying from the Greek to the English, he would be saying to us, be ye being filled which means always be filled with the Spirit. Always be picking the things of the Spirit and being filled up with the Spirit instead of being filled up with the other stuff. He's inviting us to understand that there's a different way of doing this life that we've been given to live. When Jesus said he came to give us a full life, he meant it. He didn't mean the same life that we have right now only with a promise of eternity in heaven one day. A full life is one that is beautiful and life-giving, one that reflects who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, one that frees us from the stuff that he came to die for us for. And so through the Spirit, we get access to that. But we have to rely on him to show us, because if we rely on our own human understanding, we might not always figure out what's the Jesus way. Because what God says is wise isn't always what humans think is wise. And what humans think is wise isn't always what God thinks is wise. We heard some of that last week from Kevin. We can go way off base if we're relying on ourselves to understand what God wants. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2, if you carry on in verse 14, it actually tells us that if you don't have the Spirit, then what is happening in the Spirit is going to seem like foolishness because it requires spiritual discernment to understand. And we saw that in the video, didn't we? These people who were witnessing this amazing thing that God was doing new in their midst, pouring his Spirit down, people who didn't have spiritual eyes to see thought people were just drunk. They wrote it off, not as of God, but as of something else. And we see this in other places in the Bible as well. Jesus was called uh, demon-possessed because he was acting out of the Spirit, casting out demons in Luke 11. In Mark 3, he was called crazy because of what he was doing in the Spirit. David, when he was dancing and praising before God, was considered a lunatic. What Abraham did in, in being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar was considered pretty out there. But it's because God's wisdom is different than ours and the only way we are going to understand the Jesus kind of wisdom that we need is through his spirit. So we have a choice to make. We have a choice as to whether or not we want to keep filling our vase with balls the Holy Spirit's there. We've still received him, but we get to pick. Do we want all the space in our lives taken up with the stuff? Or do we want more? Because God is infinite, so there is more of him available to us. Do we want to be filled up more with his Holy Spirit, continually being filled 
so that we start to look set apart. That's the calling on our lives, isn't it? This new identity that we've been given is to be sanctified, transformed more into Jesus' likeness, which is why we pick to make the most of every opportunity so we can start to look different than the way we looked before because something new and spiritual and beautiful is filling us up instead of the stuff that used to fill us up. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and we're going to stop for a moment and spend some time in worship. And I'm going to ask you to consider, what do you want in this moment? Make the most of this opportunity. What is your response to Paul's encouragement to be filled with the Spirit? Are you content to continue filling your vase with balls? Or do you want more? Do you want to be filled up with more of the Holy Spirit? So then the question becomes, if the answer to our choice is, yeah, I want more. I believe God is an infinite, powerful, almighty God who fulfills his promises and has so much more to give me than I've already experienced, regardless of how much that already is, then how do we get more? How do we get filled up continually with more and more of the Holy Spirit? So I hope nobody wants to go to the picnic because this is a long answer. Just kidding. (laughs) So I tried to put it into four concise things, but this just touches the tip of the iceberg. The first thing we can do is ask. If you want more of Jesus in your life, if you want the Holy Spirit to show up more in your life, then ask him. Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says, if you evil people can give good gifts to your kids, how much more is the Father going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we know he's already given us the Holy Spirit when we ask for Jesus to come into our lives to save us, but there's more. So if you want more, then surrender your heart to him and say, I want more of you. Fill me up more. I don't want to be empty. I want to be continually being filled so that I start to overflow and soak up everything that is around me with your presence. Ask. The next thing is obey. Jesus has shown us how to live in a way that's going to bring him more alive in us. He didn't leave us with a set of rules so that we could look like good people to our neighbors. He left us a legacy of love and freedom and life that he wants for us too. He came to give us a full life. And the way of that full life is by doing what he said to do. That's how we access it. And that will bring us joy. Following rules doesn't bring us joy. Living like Jesus showed us to live brings us joy. And he says in John 14, if you know what the commandments are and if you pick to do what I've asked you to do, then not only are you going to receive my love, but I'm going to reveal myself to you. How does he reveal himself to us today? Through his spirit. So if you want more of his spirit in your life, 
Seek after a life that mimics Jesus. Obey what he said. Follow his footsteps. And he is going to show up in your life. The third thing I would suggest is fill up with the right stuff. Philippians 4, 8 tells us, whatever is right, I'm not going to get all this right if I don't read it, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, let that be the stuff you focus your attention and your energy on. We get to pick. If you want more of him, pick more of him. When you're standing there at the crossroads and you're thinking, do I put a few more balls in? Or do I pick what's right and true and noble and just and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy? You're going to get more of him if you pick him. And then the last thing I would suggest, I've called it praise and pray. This is a relationship we're talking about. So engage with him in that relationship. Verse 19 of our passage says to sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. There is something that enters you into the presence of Almighty God and connects you with him when you praise him. That's why we stopped mid-sermon to praise him and to engage with him in that way because it's what allows us to go deeper with him and connect with him. And when we talk to him in prayer, we're, t- we're engaging in relationship with him. That takes us more into him. If we want more of him, we've got to get to know him better. We've got to get to talking to him more, carving out time that's for him instead of whatever else we might be doing instead. And James 4, 8 tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is a relationship we're talking about here. So if you spend your week, you don't necessarily do anything wrong. These balls aren't all like big sins and bad things. There's nothing wrong with the raptors. But if you want to be closer to Jesus and you haven't spent any time in the week being closer to Jesus and engaging with him, it shouldn't be a surprise to you if you don't feel him. He's in you. That promise is there. The Spirit is in you. Absolutely. But if you've spent your week putting balls in the vase, you can't then all of a sudden spend to expect to feel like you're filled to overflowing because you put balls in. Engage with him. When I think about drawing close to God so he can draw close to me, I'm taken to the story of Moses and the burning bush in Exodus 3. You know, Moses is tending his father-in-law's flock by the mountain of God. And he sees this bush burning, but not burning up. And Moses has this close enough walk with God that he sees with spiritual eyes. And instead of looking at it going, whoa, I don't know what that is, that's some kind of crazy voodoo, I'm going the other way, he says, huh, I'm going to go over there and take a look at this strange sight, this bush that's on fire, but it isn't burning up. I'm going to get closer and investigate it. And he gets so close that God says, stop. you got to take your sandals off. You are standing on holy ground. Moses was so close to the presence of God. He had drawn so close in response to what God was doing to call him close 
He had to take his sandals off because he was on holy ground. I wonder what I would do if I was Moses. Am I seeing with spiritual enough eyes? Am I filled enough with the Spirit that if he does something miraculous and mind-blowing that I can't make sense of humanly because I've got no frame of reference for it, would I walk closer? Would I have to take my shoes off because I was on holy ground? I hope I would do that, but would I? I don't know. Would you? I was at a retreat, um, and we were actually doing an Electo Divino on this passage where as we were hearing it read over and over us, we were to listen for what the Spirit was saying to us through these words. And in addition to wondering would I draw close to a a miraculous, mind-blowing event of God, I also heard God ask me in my spirit, would you be willing to look strange for me? Now my kids would tell you, because they're teenagers, I'm really good at looking strange. But it's not because of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Elizabeth, are you willing to be so engulfed and consumed by me like that bush that people would walk by you and not know what to do with what they see in you because you are so transformed by my presence. Would you be willing for that? Because that's the call on our lives, isn't it? We're not meant to look like a vase filled with balls and some water in the bottom. We're meant to look like a vase that's so overflowing with water it can't be contained. We are meant to be looked at and people go, ah, that person's got the spirit of God in them. They are so different from everybody else. We shouldn't be blending in to our coworkers and our neighbors and our non-Christian friends. We should be set apart. That is the call in our lives. And if you're 5, if you're 10, if you're 20, if you're 30, if you're 80, that is the call in our lives. You don't have to be an adult for this to be you. Jesus can fill you up to overflowing if you're a little kid. He wants to. In fact, sometimes kids are better at letting that happen than us adults because they're not nearly as worried about looking strange. Now, I'm not saying that to be filled with the Spirit means you have to look strange. Please do not twist my words. But what I am saying is that he doesn't look like me. Because he's God, and I'm human. I'm the one getting the new self, not him. I'm the one being transformed into his likeness, not the other way around. So I do believe that the more filled with the Spirit I am, the more transformed I will be, and the less I'm going to look like I used to. It's what's supposed to happen. And in that moment, he was showing me There were some balls in the way, because that's what this transformation is about. It's about saying, stuff is taking up space. I want to take up, Elizabeth. So, your reputation. Are you willing to get that out of the way so more of me can go in instead? The opinion of others. Are you willing to take that out of the way 
so more of me can go in instead. My uh, analogy is a little limited because there's never enough, uh, I'll never run out of the Holy Spirit, but just bear with me. <laughs> the approval of others, people you respect, are you willing to take that out? Space that's been occupied so that I can take up that space instead. I didn't even realize those balls were there, taking up space, but they were. I've been on this pursuit, this journey of wanting more of the Spirit in me, pursuing Him through prayer and worship and reading and studying and spending time. I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good and I want more. So I am drawing close to him, and he said, okay, you're drawing close to me, I'll draw close to you. But you've got to get some of the stuff out of my way. You want me to consume you, then remove that stuff that isn't letting me consume you to the extent that I want you to be consumed. And so I said, yes, I'm willing to look strange for you. I'm willing to be so consumed by you that people don't know what to do with how they see you showing up in my life. You know, Paul talks about this in Philippians 3, right? He talks about counting it all loss for the sake of Christ because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He talks about calling, counting it as garbage in comparison. And we read those verses and we think, well, you know, Paul was persecuted and he was in chains and he was imprisoned. And so, of course, that makes sense that he's talking about how none of that matters compared to Jesus. But what does that look like for us? And the Spirit was asking me, are you willing to count it all loss, Elizabeth, for me? Does being consumed by me and filled with me matter more to you than what people think of you? than your reputation in the community, than the approval of those that you respect. And you know, as I said, yes, it does. The reason why I could say, yes, it does, is because I love Jesus. Because he picked to die for me. How can I say anything other than yes? When I consider that he, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and he found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So yeah, I say yes to him, because he chose to become nothing for me. And I want the full life that he died to give me. I want to experience that and all that that offers me. Because not only is that my best life, it brings him glory. And boy, does he deserve that in my life. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come up and we're going to pray for the emblems for communion, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus for choosing to empty yourself, for choosing to come to earth to die for us. Thank you for making the way so that we could have a relationship with you, so that our old self can be gone and we can live a new full life filled with your spirit, 
one that brings us joy and life and fullness and freedom. Thank you for letting your body be broken on the cross for us, for taking all of that pain upon yourself. Thank you for shedding your blood and washing us clean so that we could have this new life through a new covenant established with God the Father. Please accept our thanks to you. Please know how much we love you. We are so grateful for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.